Last week, we had a bit of a discussion about um, how recent in history the desolation of monarchies really was. And uh, I think that, you know, following that, you know, tried to pull some lessons from the socialist and Bolshevik revolutions that happened following World War One. And I think it's also important in that in this same breath to recognize the uh, theoretical opposite of socialism and communism, and that is, of course, fascism. And fascism had a great rise uh, and a powerful, fast rise following uh, many of these Bolshevik revolutions. And in many cases, the Bolshevik revolutions led to a kind of fascism, uh, and specifically uh, Germany, where the Nazis rose. Uh, and so what we want to focus on is that the question of imbalance of power and the hindrance of socioeconomic mobility in these places where they're so economically oppressed by an oppressive majoritarian rule or an oppressive monarchy rule, fascism and socialism are both very good answers to that question. Not good answers, I guess, but they are the answers to that question. And fascism is characterized by an otherization, uh, blaming of uh, immigrants, of uh, a mischaracterization of economic prosperity, and uh, generally an otherizing and scapegoating. Uh, normally, they like to fall behind a single strong man, and that is another big selling point. It's the, one of the bigger selling points behind monarchies is that when you have a king, the king is the final word. When you have a dictator, it's the same thing. It's a very efficient system of government. And socialism answers those questions by trying to focus on community and democracy and giving everyone an, a, a similar voice within the community. And so while these, two while these two things rise from the same question, they are directly opposed to each other. Um, fascism teaches that it is someone else's fault and that the uh, brutal strong man will destroy your enemies and lift you up. And while that may be true for a very select few, it is not true for the majority. And socialism says that if we decentralize that power and work as communities together, we may be able to fix those, or we may be able to answer those questions. I think, I mean, I think this is one of the most important pressings of our, pressing questions of our time, really, with, you know, the rise of a new right, a new fascistic right around the world, uh, the rise of a new left to a new socialist left. And I think uh, a quote from Rosa Luxemburg, written, you know, over a hundred years ago, but right, right at this time, right at the end of World War One, is really just sums it up, you know, and this is so prescient that it's really important. And so I'm just going to read it. Um, Friedrich Engels once said, bourgeois society stands at the crossroads, either transition to socialism or regression into barbarism. What does regression into barbarism mean to our lofty European civilization? Until now, we have all probably read and repeated these words thoughtlessly without suspecting their fearsome seriousness. I look around us at this moment shows what the regression of bourgeois society into barbarism means. Today, we face the choice exactly as Friedrich Engels foresaw it a generation ago. Either the triumph of imperialism and the collapse of all civilization as in ancient Rome, depopulation, desolation, degeneration, a great cemetery. Or the victory of socialism. That means the conscious, active struggle of the international proletariat against imperialism and its method of war. This is a dilemma of world history, an either-or. The scales are wavering before the decision of the class-conscious proletariat. The future of civilization and humanity depends on whether or not the proletariat resolves manfully to throw its revolutionary broadsword into the scales. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett. 
And I'm Carl Roberts. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left politics and left politics in Oklahoma. Uh, hey guys, I wanted to just take a moment right now to say thank you so much for listening. Um, this is our 20th episode, and uh, I, I have to say that um, I am so incredibly proud and thankful of uh, the opportunity to do this show with my very good friend Carl Roberts, who's been an amazing help and an amazing uh, partner in this endeavor. Um, but I have just this has been such a fun experience, and I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who's been listening. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been a really great experience. Yeah. I've also, I mean, I've loved it. It's been a lot to me to be able to do this show, to have the reception we've had. Uh, you've been a wonderful partner in crime, Adam, <laughs> great, great host, great, great producer, all that jazz. And I'm just, I'm, you know, really happy we get, we're getting people to care and we're going to keep doing this podcast until, uh, socialism. So that red star of socialism is flying over <laughs> Oklahoma, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this week, um, uh, we're going to put this episode out. And um, as always, we're going to be trying to use this platform to bring you guys new and engaging stories, uh, to look at them from a, a, a perspective that you're not going to hear anywhere else in Oklahoma. Um, and we're going to keep trying to bring you the kind of interviews and stories that you guys are looking to hear and you guys are looking to talk about. And, uh, so please, uh, do go engage with us on social media. Um, we put all our stuff over on Facebook at Facebook at dot, uh, facebook.com at Red Star of Oklahoma. We got Twitter at Red Star over OK. Uh, we've got a subreddit, which is a really cool place. Uh, we post, uh, a lot of articles there actually. Uh, it's our Red Star over Oklahoma. We post a lot of articles on there. It's a nice place to chat. Uh, Carl and I uh, are always checking it because I spend too much time on Reddit anyway. So uh, <laughs> we're always, you know, if you wanted to get a hold of us, that'd be a really fast way. I'll be real honest with you. Um, go listen and follow on SoundCloud. Uh, we've got a, uh, uh, an email account, redstaroverok at gmail.com. If you guys would like to send us an email about anything in the world, we'd love to hear it and we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, hey, uh, go over to uh, iTunes, subscribe. Write, write, rate and review if you can. Uh, the rate, uh, how the iTunes is set up now, it's just right, it's right below our name. You just scroll down and you can click the five star and you can just write, hey, these guys are great or hey, these guys are awfully good. Um, <laughs> either <laughs> you, way. You don't even, you don't have to write something. You just, just click the five stars. You can also you know? do that. And, and yeah, I, I just, that, that helps <clears throat> us so much. And so tell your friends. Um, and like we said, we, we want to do this because we want to be engaged and be a part of the discourse in Oklahoma. And so that's why we're doing this show. And so we want to uh, do what we can to be as engaged as we can in that instance. And, you know, guys, uh, really the most important thing I want to say is tell your friends. Uh, tell your friends. The holiday season is coming up. Tell your family. Uh, see, see how that goes, you know? Tell, tell, your, tell your racist uncle to come check us out. Just... Just let people know. We're, we're going to have a great opportunity to tell some people that might be into it. If you're having a political discussion Thanksgiving and it sounds like somebody might be into this, you know, tell them to get ready for some swear words, but tell them to give us a listen. Oh, my God, Carl. I just had. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll have to do it for Christmas. I just had an idea for a special Christmas episode. <laughs> I thought we, we, we if, if I would have had this idea a week ago, we could have done it this week. But we might have to release a uh, dinner table argument guide for uh, political discourse in the uh, U.S. and Oklahoma <laughs> uh, for the holiday season for all those people having to go home and talk to parents who aren't exactly sure what they mean when they say that uh, we need to seize the means. <clears throat> but anyway. and you know what? You all um, report back to us about how it goes, uh, goes on Thanksgiving, what, the kind of stuff you're hearing about Oklahoma politics and national, and we will... We will 100% put that together and put that out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If we, if we all work together, I mean, we're socialists here, okay? We all work together. <laughs> we're going to be able to solve our problem. Yep. That's exactly right. All right. Well, on to national news, Carl. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this first story that we have because this is like um, a really awesome solution to uh, a, a huge problem in modern American society. And it's this uh, little app called Bail block, um, and the name's a pun on black block, right? Um, and also, it's a pun on the blockchain, because what bail block is is a is a program 
that works like any cryptocurrency does, where your computer does some weird, complicated uh, calculations, and that produces results. And then, for some reason, people exchange that for real currency, right? I, I This part doesn't make any sense to me, um, why people would do that, but people do do that, and that's okay. I mean, money is totally made up. Um, and... What this, what this thing is, is an app that you put on your computer so it does that to produce um, cryptocurrency, right? <clears throat> but then what happens is this cryptocurrency that's getting produced, Monero, is donated at the end of the month for U.S. dollars uh, to the Bronx Freedom Fund. And the Bronx Freedom Fund is a super awesome organization. All your money that you generate here through this cryptocurrency um, uh, blockchain program uh, goes directly to that, and what they do with it is they spend 100% on it on paying the bail for low income and you know working class people, right? Um, and if you all don't know, like bail is one of the hugest issues today because you have situations where people you know get pulled over for having a busted taillight and get arrested or something, or they get arrested for smoking some doobies on the side of the road, right? At a park. <clears throat> and they can't afford to pay their bail. And our court system is so overworked that they have to sit in jail until someone can afford to pay their bail, right? Or they get to go to court. And what that means is that you have this system where people are put under pressure to plea out because they don't have the funds to support themselves to just not be in prison for you know weeks or months or sometimes even years while they wait for a court date. Um, and what this, what this lets you do is just by having your laptop turned on and connected to the internet, running in the background, it lets you help get people in New York State out of prison before they go to trial. Um, Which, uh, like, <clears throat> just, just to interject for a half second, as in a courtroom, that is an enormous, enormous uh, benefit. Um, if you uh, don't, um, and you are, and you no, normally a lot of people plea, especially to those lower offenses. But if, if you don't, you'll go in front of your judge in yellow, or you'll go into in front of your judge in a jail suit rather than a suit with an attorney by your side. You'll just go in, in front of the judge and you'll just be in jail clothes, which already biases him against you. Additionally, um, e e even if it is a, a bigger offense where you do have, you know, in a preliminary hearing or a uh, bond hearing, uh, you might get put into a suit for that. Um, not having bond, if you request a, uh, a trial and you and you're still held on bond at the during the trial, all of that you're having to do a lot of special procedure to try and ensure that your jury doesn't know that they're in jail because they can't know, and it actually hinders you a lot. It hinders your ability to get and retain an attorney because if you're in jail, you can't. Uh, you can't go work, you can't go to your job, you can't access your bank account. Um, you know, you might not know your routing number off the top of your head to tell a secretary over a phone from jail, um, you know, that, you know, you have money. And additionally, um, just to take half a second, I want to, I want to give my not a lawyer at all, uh, not to be relied on at all legal advice for everybody. <clears throat> um, and here, here it is. If you, if if the police want to talk to you, and they start talking to you, you say the word lawyer. That's it. That's it. You do not have the protections you think you have. I promise you. I promise you. They. It doesn't work the way you think it does. And just say lawyer. Just say lawyer. Just say I. Sorry. Sorry. If you want to, go in your town, grab a lawyer's business card, and stick it in your pocket. Okay, stick it in your wallet. If a cop ever comes to talk to you, you just say, hey, I'm super sorry. My name's written on the back of this card. This is my lawyer. You'll have to call them. It doesn't matter if you've never talked to them before. It doesn't matter if you can't afford them or you don't want to get a lawyer or you don't intend on that. It's a way, the second you say that, things happen that you don't know about. You get protections that you don't know you have. And without it, you're not going to get them. And... You know, w without doing that, you can so often end up in a situation where maybe you can't post bail. I, I you know, I have a friend um, that got arrested at Lake Dirty Bird. Um, 
one time and we had to we had to find bail for her. and luckily we were you know we were in college we had some other friends who uh had a lot of money cash on hand because they're, they're rich people of uh, the end of it and so they were able to post her bail for her. but otherwise she would have been in jail there for who knows how long and i know that this program is only focused on new york like i said but this is this is a start and Another one of the great things about a program like this, and something that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're good with computers, uh, cough, cough, uh, computer specialist Parker Nelson, um, maybe think about... I'm sure he appreciates. Seeing how to set this up. <laughs> yeah, Being put to work without us contacting him or, like, discuss. We did contact him. And we know he, he, he doesn't listen if, if he doesn't get back to us. <laughs> Angry um, But... Angry like, reacts only. <laughs> like, this is, I mean, this is so cool because what they list here as one of the important facts about why this program works so well is that 90, 96% of the time, the money gets returned to the person who put up the bail, right? Yeah. It's because so, most people actually do come back when you give them bail. Most people yeah, won't run because they don't have anywhere to run to. Yeah, bail is not a very effective thing, by the way. And especially, especially for, for lower-income people, it's a lot harder to run. Like, it's the rich people that can afford to run, and they don't need this anyways. And so mm-hmm. we're in this situation where, as they put it, you could expect to generate about 3 to $5 a month, right? And as you do that over time, and they keep getting people out, they keep getting more money. And they're always growing the amount of money. And the more people that use this, the more amount of people they can help, right? And so the more we can expand this, the more we can use, we can work within the system that exists currently to do away with one of the most heinous parts of it, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, this, this is brilliant to me. I, and this is something I want every single one of our listeners to download and do because fighting this predatory industry that's bail bondsmen and also fighting the predatory justice system that tries to get people to plead guilty by keeping them in prison before they go to trial and offering them a way out, you know, of the indefinite, hell that is staying in prison until you get a trial date by saying you'll only be here for x amount of time if you just plead guilty um you know we don't have to change that much and yet we can have a massive effect on a ton of people's lives people that really need our help yeah yeah and you know i kind of echo some of the things you said but bail is just not always as effective a system as you think it is either it is uh just so often um you know, kind of like you said, predatory. You'd be amazed how many people actually end up getting pay, getting checks from the jail for having spent uh, overtime served in there waiting for a trial date. <laughs> it happens a lot. And, you know, this, this is a way for us, you know, in a decentralized, pretty democratic manner to start solving that problem where we don't, you know... I'm not saying we shouldn't be putting pressure on elected officials. We, we I'm shouldn't say, be also vote. Act, you, you, activism you, about this? A lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot of municipalities vote for uh, police commissioners and DAs and, and judges. This, I mean, and this is really important to do, to do it there too. But this is a way that is very low-key mm-hmm. for everyone on this show to make a difference by just fucking downloading the app. I'm going to put it on the subreddit. Everybody go on the subreddit, just have it running. Check out the subreddit, it's sweet. <laughs> uh, um, so what, uh, so then moving on um, to our second story of the week. Uh, it's pretty, it's, it's, uh, what, 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 what electric boogaloo are we on at this point? Like, I know that it's just threes and like fours for all the E's and A's. And I know we're at like at least 36 or 37, but this is Syria, Electric Boogaloo 343, I guess. Uh, however many people we've killed in Yemen with the blockade and drone strikes, uh, that's probably what it is. It's terrible, terrible news out of the Pentagon regarding Syria this week, guys. So they announced that uh, we're going to be keeping our troops in Syria. Um, even though ISIS is defeated. And I want to go back to that quote that I read um, because she talks about imperialism. Um, and she says, 
But like I said at the start, today we face the choice exactly as Friedrich Engels foresaw a generation ago. Either the triumph of imperialism and the collapse of all civilization, or the victory of socialism. And right now, something like this is the triumph of imperialism and the collapse of all civilization. And when I, when I say the collapse of all civilization, like, that's actually what's happening in Syria right now. And an important part of that is that what the Pentagon does in Syria, for the most part, is not help out the SDF. Um, and you can go and listen to our other shows about them. There's plenty of good information about them, and we're mm-hmm. totally for the SDF, uh, the mainly Kurdish, democratic, socialist, anarchist group. Um, wait, 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 do... wait, wait. Hold on, Carl. You're trying to tell me that socialists are organized? That's not how it works. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, these Kurds just listened to Woody Guthrie, and they were like, "People around the world are getting organized." They're like, "Yeah, that's good." Yeah, I like to. I like to think they play Woody a little bit. Um, but this isn't the group that we're like properly helping with the Pentagon. The groups we're helping are people that are like rightfully angry at the Assad government for some of the most horrible things that has ever happened around the world. I saw, we had a, doc, a documentary film festival in Leipzig, and I saw a movie about how the Syrian regime was literally using uh, summary detainment and rape to try and fight the opposition, and like as a policy position, right? So, so they rightfully are beyond angry at at the Assad government. But what that means is that they're working with the people who are doing the best job fighting them. And the group that's not ISIS or the Kurds, since the Kurds are only in the north and northeastern part of the country, are Al-Qaeda syndicates and people that like Al-Qaeda or that think like Mm Al-Qaeda. And now that ISIS is gone, what having Pentagon troops remain in Syria means is supporting you know doing afghan doing the afghan war again the soviet afghan war in the 80s where it's just like oh we should support this group because we don't like their government and and we're just brewing for another 9-11 by staying there so like i i say that literally with all seriousness i i mean that that our support in the past has caused that and continuing to do so is not by any stretch of the imagination, could could lead to that because it literally happened. Um, yeah, yeah, and so I think say? I think I think one of the important things to note here, um, Mattis, uh, De- Defense Secretary James <clears throat> Mattis, uh, had basically said um, that this uh, is to prevent the appearance of ISIS 2.0, as he calls it. Um, of course, Lavrov, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, says that the U.S. presence is illegitimate. But I mean, that's their, you know, fucking modus operandi. Uh, but I think that it is important to recognize the unsolvable riddle that um, that the Pentagon has cooked up for itself. The, this is this is what I call the Dick Cheney Dick Cheney Gordonian knot, right? It's just this. <laughs> intertwined mix of horseshit. And since I don't know if Gordian Gordian Knot is a good example here because Alexander the Great was basically like, I have military power and defeated the Gordian Knot and as you're about to explain, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. This is fair. But I mean so uh, perfect timing. No. Uh, but that was actually I was about to say something. That was a good moment. Yeah that 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 actually comes at a perfect little break. Don't get him worked up, please, because if he barks, it'll show up, please. Love you. Bye. I don't know where she went. Um, okay. What was that about? You were saying the, the Gordian knot. Yeah. Um, I know. I just got to remember the next thing. Uh, I, I want to remember how I was going to explain. Um, okay. Yeah. So even though it's, it's, it's this Gordian knot, though, that is that... Um, you know, when, when, when 9-11 happened, it finally gave us an excuse to go become involved in the Middle East. And once we were in the Middle East, you know, the second we divert to Iraq and we destabilize that area, now there's this thing that happens and it's the exact same thing that's happening in Syria because we move in to help defeat ISIS. ISIS is now gone. And the thing that created ISIS 
is that when we were in Iraq, once Saddam Hussein was gone and we started to pull troops out, they already knew what was going to happen because since they had destroyed the hospitals, taken out the central government, and then they put in essentially, you know, uh, Blackwater douchebags who didn't know how to count and told them to be in charge of the entire government and they just uh, blew it all on Humvees and gold and then shot, you know, civilians whenever they wanted. That destabilizes everything to the point that you have a radicalist government form. And that radicalist government in the gap in Iraq was ISIS. Now we have this same problem in that we've defeated ISIS, which was a threat that was essentially created by our own actions. And now there are two options. That's how they frame this. You've got, you, you either leave or we stay. That's it. And so... They say we, we either stay with military force in any, in any sense, and then it's the Vietnam problem where you, you know, if you put planes there, you need dudes to guard the planes. And if there's dudes to guard the planes, you need tanks to guard the dudes. And if you need tanks, you need boats to guard the tank. It's just the military always wants more and more and more and more. And so you can either have this thing where you can say they can stay and they can work and try and rebuild and stabilize the country. But what that really means is put a bunch of shitty Blackwater idiots in, in charge of it who don't know how to count. And then they blow all the money on Humvees and gold and shoot civilians. Yeah. Or literally can, what they did in literally what they did in Iraq. Yeah. Like quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> or they can pull out, leave a totally destru- destroyed, destabilized area with no police force, no central government, no running water, no roads, no hospitals, no medicine. And then if they allow that to happen, guess what happens? A radicalized government raises. So either way, the U.S. military still has a reason to be in Syria. And the thing is, I mean, Syria does literally have a government. It is a terrible go- Like, it's terrible government. I'm... What I what I mentioned earlier about literal rape policy as a part of their plan, the Assad government's plan to win the civil war, is real. I mean, the Pentagon is right to say this can't be a thing that's going to last, and it's not because the Assad government is not going to be able, you know, to sustain itself. The, the same protests that erupted that brought about the civil war are just going to keep happening. And they're going to go to war with the Kurds once they finish mopping up the Islamists in the Did you did you see West. did you see from the uh, you you uh, you included in a pretty good NPR article um, here to discuss this and one of the things it said is I think really great U.S. ally Israel is increasingly concerned about the presence of Iranian forces in Syria not far from the Israeli border. Russia has rejected both U.S. and Israeli objections to the Iranian presence. Uh, well, that's fun. <laughs> I, I also think it's important to note, um, they don't say that Syria has rejected both U.S. and Israeli objections to the Iranian presence because the Syrian government invited the Iranian Revolutionary Guard into the country to help them fight ISIS. Yeah. Like, like, so when we say, oh, we're not okay with this, and Israel says, oh, we're not okay with this. One, Israel's literally occupying part of Syria. It's called the Golan Heights. They've been doing it since 1967. It's illegal. Uh, number two, number two, um, that's not our thing. We don't have a say in that. Like, when the Russians say, fuck off, the Russians are literally right. <laughs> like, the Russians are also there because the Assad government said, come help us bomb these motherfuckers. And... You know, like, this is, this is what empire looks like, is that even in NPR, we don't mention that the Syrian government invited the Iranians in. And that, that we have this feeling that because our ally and because we don't like the Iranians being there, that they shouldn't be there. Even though we don't control the country, even though we're not the recognized controller of this land at the UN, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, we have to come to terms with the fact that when we do terrible, terrible shit like Invader Rock in 2003, shit's going to play out in a way that's not good for us. And we got to stop doing it. That's, yeah. that's what this is. And if, if this means a nuclear war, a nuclear strike on Iran by Israel, like, we like, can lay that can we not, okay, I just on the feet of American imperialism. There's a lot for me when I think about if nuclear war ever happened. And, like, so much of it in a political dimension is so very complex. You know, I think back to the Red Scare and some of the things that happened surrounding that and how complex those issues are concerning nuclear weapons and when we use them. But can we not make it a holy war, please? <laughs> like, that's just the, the, what, the thing we don't need to interject into all of this is, like, 
radical religion. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing, is that what country is supporting in Syria radical religious groups? It's the United States. Yeah, sure, we, we beat off ISIS. It, it's also Arab Gulf states, but um, because this is a proxy war between Arab Gulf states and Iran. Um, but, you know, the radical religious people are all on our side here. <laughs> When you look at it, Israel, an ethno-nationalist state based around a religion, uh, um, you know, all the Al-Qaeda syndicate in Syria, and then the other Islamist groups in Syria, the ones that we're sending weapons to and sending these fucking Pentagon people to to help support, right? Like, the only way to do this is to just say, no, we can't be in, we can't do this anymore, and we have to live with the consequences of what we've done right now, because we're not going to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that, that is the kind of crucial, so, so much of the crucial point there is that, um, this is a scenario designed in Washington and it is designed to have an effect. And the effect is to prioritize production into military assets so as to create wealth behind with the owners of those assets. I mean, you know, We've been conquering for 2,000 years now. I mean, it, 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 it seems to be that it's a, you know, a thing that humans like to do. And it just, to, 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 to fall into the scapegoat, to fall into the argument is just to not accept it for what it is. And what it is is an exploitation of, an, of a problem. Yeah, to make money for Raytheon. Yep. <laughs> and Boeing, don't forget Boeing. Yeah, and Boeing, and, and and all the oil companies and, as and they dump Coke oil in yeah. onto like. Anyway, <laughs> do you want to go to Oklahoma news? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a little more. <laughs> this one, this story is going to make everybody smile, though. Yeah, this is this is um this is a story I am so happy about. Um, we had some special elections not terribly long ago, and there were three seats up for grabs. Uh, two in the Senate and one in the House. Uh, and a House seat and a Senate seat both went to Republicans. But, but in West Tulsa, um, we elected a Democrat, and not only a Democrat, it's a it's a woman that got elected, and she's an open lesbian who campaigned with her wife in and like an interracial couple. And yeah, and twenty six years old. And she ran on progressive ass platform right you look at her i i want i also want to post this because i want everyone to see what this person ran on in west tulsa and west mm-hmm. tulsa is not like the most urban part of tulsa as literally everyone knows is a lot more rural than than the east the east bank of the river and she was straight up like we need to increase funding for public education programs um she's she used these words very many very very public education friendly yeah um when she talks about healthcare and mental health and she has a history working in the mental health uh field she was a former um, police officer yeah uh she she says far too many oklahomans feel unable to go to the doctor when they don't feel well and even more not receiving regular preventive care or even seeing the same doctor twice for mental health, the stigma is more than just preventing people from seeking services. It's preventing our state from adequately funding those services, too. Like, she's straight up saying we have to dump more money in, into health care. Yep. And she, win, and she wins this seat in a, in a district that went for Trump by, you know, double digits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's also important to note the margin. Yeah, she won by 31 votes. Literally. Of 4,400 people. Yeah, and and this is this is an important thing. I think I think it's worth mentioning. This uh, you know, it's a special election. It's not when elections normally happen. Blah blah blah. Right? There were about four hundred, uh, forty four hundred people that voted this time, and in the twenty sixteen election, about thirty two thousand voted in this district. But this is one of those things like bail block, where it presents us with a tactical opportunity. Um. And what I mean by that is relatively straightforward, right? We know not a lot of people are going to come out in special elections. We know that if we campaign really hard, we can do it. And that's what happened here. In a, in a district that no one would expect, right? 
in a district that has these problems, you know, uh, the exact same problems that any any district in Oklahoma has. She was able to run on this and win. And so I think what, what we both want to say here, everybody, is look at seats that are coming up. If you feel comfortable running, see if you can do it legally because, you know, the age limits, there's, you know, how long you've been living in the state, how long you've been living in the district rules, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. Um, so come go check that out. And if you feel comfortable doing it, I'm 100 percent serious. Go run for government. Yeah, it's time. I, I think that that is a um, really important aspect to note that uh, it is it is, you know, this just shows, um, you know, you know, first, I think that you're completely correct. We need to, to loud uh, her success. Um, Allison Ickley Freeman, uh, man, woo, great job. Great job. Um, and I, I'll just say, you know, great job on a just, I think the most, on, on, a, on an, a growing political diversity. And I think that is what sticks out also to me in this, is that m- m- as we increasingly add people to our, our political discourse, it will become more representative of the communities that that discourse is being a part of. And so I, I, I think that it's also, you know, if you think your viewpoint is marginalized or you don't think it is out there, that, that, it, is, it is time. Guys, we, 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 we all have unique positions and we need to work together. And that means including as many of us as we can. Yeah. And, you know, clearly there are progressives willing to help run campaigns in the state, right? Because and that's vote. an important part of why she, yeah. And that's an important part of why she, uh, she won. She, she was part of the campaign that got, uh, flipped a different seat in, in Tulsa earlier this year. And she ran for this one, and she managed to flip it with the same kind of people running the campaign, the same people with small donors, uh, small donations from individuals. You know, let's make it happen, guys, mm-hmm. okay? We, we can do this. Um, and I get it. I'm sure some of you might have iffy feelings about elections and voting, and I totally understand that. Um, and I want to I respect the people that have that position, but you could still work on campaigns to get out the word about the issues that we need to talk about in this state. Yeah. You know, yeah. organizing is what won this seat. Organizing is what we have to do. And organizing takes so many different forms. Just go get organized. Yep. Yep. Um, and, you know, the same way we talked about bail block, I think, um, it, you know, you'd be amazed at how easy it is, even in Oklahoma, to get involved from behind your computer screen. You can write letters, you can email, you can go to these individual um, campaigns and you can talk to them and they will normally be able to give you an ability to call uh, people on their phone list and their donor list. Uh, You can hang door knockers, you can knock. Um, You can also just, and I think this is one of the most important, just have a discourse with your neighbors. Just go talk to the people in the three houses that are next to you or the three apartments that are next to you and and have an open conversation about what their political view is, the problems that they have um, in their world, and and, and see if you can come up with common sense ways to, to fix it because that's really what it will come down to is neighbors helping neighbors. And the other thing, don't just do it with your neighbors, do it with your friends too. I know. Probably people listening to this show are politically active and so on, but we all have friends that don't like politics for some reason, mm-hmm. you know? And this, those friends range from super wealthy people that can afford not to like politics, white people that don't have to worry about police violence, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Men that don't have to worry about, you know, sexual assault uh, the way that women do and so on. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sometimes privilege gets in the way of that. Sometimes people just can't deal with it because it's stressful. But try and be there for your friends like that and talk to them too because you want to get them at, you know, you want to get them mobile too. The more people we have in this fight, the more likely we're going to win. Well, and that, and I think that that is the defining characteristic we talked about at the beginning of the difference between socialism and fascism. Fascism says we have to make this exclusive. It has to be just us. It has to be just right. And it gets all the way to Nazi SS and their measuring blood and checking your head. And, you know, looking for bumps in your skull. And the real answer and the answer that socialism puts forward is the exact opposite. Inclusion. We need to get everybody involved. And we can do it, guys. Yep. We can and do speaking it, of not getting everybody involved, the uh, yes. special <laughs> session keeps uh, 
just circling the drain. Yeah, what one of the things that's come out of it now uh, that I want to talk about specifically before we we say a few brief words to what's going on, what's going on now. Um, now the legislative pay is going to drop, um, and the the legislative Com- compensation review board uh, voted four to three to reduce legislative pay by eight point eight percent. Right, and so lawmakers right now are making uh, thirty eight thousand four hundred dollars a year that that's you can live on that in the state of oklahoma but that's not a good income i want to note though very quickly best health insurance in the state yeah and that that uh that that pay does not include um that does not include benefits yeah Uh, that 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 is why i wanted to include it separately is because um legislatures have amazing health insurance yeah and but What's important about legislative pay right now um, is the fact that that it's so low and that they're making it lower is something that anyone that we've just told to go run needs to consider, right? Because it is a full-time job to be mm-hmm. a legislator. You cannot work anything else. They act like it's a part-time job. It's bullshit. That's not it's true. Not. You cannot work a full-time job somewhere else. It is very hard to let your boss convince your boss to let you stay on. I've read tons of stuff. On Facebook, from people that have run, that have been legislators, that couldn't keep being legislators because they couldn't afford it, and and that's precisely the problem here: is that the more we cut off um, the ability of people like um, Allison Eichley Freeman to go in, you know, people that aren't coming from privileged, wealthy backgrounds the harder it is to get that representation that's so important of, of a diverse range of backgrounds and also of working people. Um, and, and that's what they're doing. They're, when they cut this, they say, oh, you know, they can't do their job. And this is something that I actually saw on The Lost Ogle, right? Where it's like, look, legislators have been so terrible. We've all been watching the special session. They have had their own dicks up their own butts so intensely that they, the brain scramble. They just can't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But what that ends up doing is making it so that only people that inherited oil wealth can afford to be in the, in the legislature. In the legislature, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest here. Like, we need to treat this like a real job. And in this job, you get fired when you get voted out. You shouldn't be getting priced out yeah. on any level. Yeah, and I think it's important because that that notion of you know punishing them by reducing their pay is just kind of ass backwards um because why why would you punish them by reducing their pay why wouldn't you just vote them out of office i mean that's what that's what that that is the punishment all that lowering the pay does is yeah it it it, it says that anyone who can't live off of this amount is either you know one not worthy of being here or two not rich enough to be here, which is really what they're saying. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it pushes people into the hands of, of lobbying groups, you mm-hmm. know? And by that, I mean the oil companies, because running a campaign is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. That campaign that um, Mrs. Eichley Freeman ran on was extremely cheap uh, in total. The whole campaign, both sides, was less than um, $100,000. Um, before. The campaign in 2016 cost over half a million, right? Where's that money coming from? That money is coming from people that have a lot of money that have very specific interests in keeping their taxes low. And that's, you know, companies like Chesapeake and Devon. And so as you lower... Money isn't a regulatable form of speech, Carl. I I will straight up murk all Supreme Court. Oh, 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 reference see, see Citizens United <laughs> decision, all right? Sooner concurrence. Uh, uh, I'm a I'm vomit on a stick, but I know my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just... I mean, it, when you look I, at it from any standpoint other than just this base hate for our legislature, yeah. which, which we both have, <laughs> you have to agree that Higher legislative pay is a necessary thing to get the voices in the legislature that we need and want in that there. 
You know, I, I think I think we're about to head towards our our special twentieth ending. But I think that this into that is saying, you know, one of the things I wanted to say is that man, this it is, you know, those guys who can afford to be there, they don't care about this pay cut. You you know, it doesn't be the same thing of Congress cut. You know, you think Mark Wayne Mullen gives a shit? It's like no, he's already told us he doesn't. It's like these, no, he, these, well, Adam, he's paying more taxes than he gets paid. Okay, okay I don't. <laughs> So what happens when you eat all those magic mushrooms because you got to go rescue the princess from the castle. He's, he's mm-hmm. actually an indentured servant, I think. <laughs> Does, has anyone told him that the 13th Amendment was ratified? He might be very confused about what the Constitution is. Um, yeah, he <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, they don't care about this. And what this really is, and I see it especially in Oklahoma right now, is this is the old guard trying to put as many hindrances as they can between themselves and being effective because they know that their time is coming. They know that the end is not, uh, you know, this, this campaign, uh, in West Tulsa, the, the row of flips we've had in Oklahoma, the, uh, teachers that are starting to run and the general, I mean, you know, the popularity of Trump and the rise of American fascism and American, you know, uh, you know, American fascism is, I think, directly correlated to the stress that is being put on people. And we've been lied to for so long about what communism and socialism are that now that people are getting that information from an unbiased and a source that honestly isn't lying to them, they are becoming, to, they are going to come to terms with it. And I think that maybe if they aren't, even if the, uh, you know, Republicans in the uh, Congress aren't willing to acknowledge that on a face level, they are at least acknowledging it on a subconscious level by making moves like this, by hindering themselves and restricting themselves and making themselves ineffective. They are setting the groundwork for them being, you know, shit. And for the people who come next to have to be, uh, to have to shirk all that regulation before they can do the things that they need to do. Yep. You hit the nail on the head, buddy. Yep. Um, but the last thing. The last thing we're going to talk about today, and we're not going to talk that long about it, we're not going to go into specifics. We want to talk very general, you know, this is, this is where we are right now, um, is the end of the special session. Um, now, it's, it's ended insofar as both the House and the Senate have passed the Plan B cash and cuts bill that's going to leave us... 60 million still in the hole, massive cuts to a ton of agencies. Um, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. It's going to go to the governor's desk. And she said she, she'll veto whatever this is. But, you know, I want to step back from all of that and, and say this week we had the 110th anniversary of, of Oklahoma becoming a state, right? Um, and where it looks like Oklahoma is going is not good, you know, if we're going to be, if we're going to be low key about it, but there are pinpoints alike, like this West Tulsa special election and so on. And, you know, this show is concerned about the future, right? We have a socialist horizon that we want to achieve. We, we have a vision of a society that we want to live in. Um, no matter how, general rather than like specific it may be but we have an idea you know and and on oklahoma's birthday i want us to take a little bit of time to look towards that you know to think about that while while we're in this dark moment what we should be doing is realizing that we have the chance to struggle we have the chance to try and move forward we have tactical choices to make now and we're going to make them and we're going to see how they fall, but we got to be doing, it, you know, it, and like we said throughout this episode, there's a ton of different ways you can do that. And just go do something. Put put that little app on your computer, write it up for Oklahoma. If you if you've got, you know, the time and the legal acumen, let's make some kind of nonprofit that's doing the same thing as that one in New York for Oklahoma. You know, go volunteer for a campaign, go work with DSA Green Country to clean up waste sites, you know, go join John Brown Gun Club, do whatever you feel like is the best thing to do, but start getting organized so that the next 100 years of Oklahoma are different. Yeah, 
Yeah, I I just I couldn't have said it better than you right there, and I think that you're dead on the money. It's time, guys. It's time to walk out, and it's time to start being a part of the political discourse, being involved. It's all of our duty. Hey, and I I, I think I think the thing. You know, what we should keep in mind while we do this is something from, I think, both of our favorite o- the, our favorite Oki, the show's favorite Oki, right? So give this a lesson and just take it to heart. It, this land is our land. This land is your land and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me As I went a-walking that ribbon of highway And I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley This land was made for you and me Sparkling sands of her diamond deserts All around me a voice was a-sounding This land was made for you and me There was a big high wall there that tried to stop me the sign was painted, said private property But on the back side it didn't say nothing this land was made for you and me. When the sun comes shining, then I was strolling, and the wheat fields waving, and the dust cloud rolling. A voice was chanting as the fog was lifting. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land, and this land is my land. California to the New York Island, from Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me.